Great. Okay. So the, the plan is basically to uh, talk to these founders and get deep into their brains and understand how uh, they think and they approach and do things in their daily lifestyle. Uh, you are one of the uh, people that I was curious about to you know understand and see like what goes in your head because I know you have been doing a lot of things. Uh, I have seen you perform different experiments in like different cool areas. Uh, for example, NFTs, uh, and then there is Tenderfoot, uh, and then there's also some secret project that's uh, still in progress. And then you were traveling. It's more of a like our quarterly call as well as uh, talking to you more about what's going on and uh, some interesting questions around uh, how you think and in about your mindset. Awesome. Okay, let's do it. So you're asking me like, what's what's new? A lot of things. Okay, so I was, oh, you left. Where did you go? I don't hear. Okay, that. you're back. Yeah. Okay. Hello. Okay. Um, so I was approached by a really big ex-YouTuber to create a world-class a cohort-based course on NFTs, accepted that, did that for a bit, went to Mexico to work on it in person. Now I'm in Lisbon, decided to no longer continue with that course. So parted ways with him, um, dealt with all of that, and then was offered a 60K consulting gig for a really awesome NFT project, with like a fantastic team of women. I was seriously considering that, and then decided to not take that and then decided I haven't announced this yet I'm going to but decided to like quit all of NFTs um and then thinking about like what my new content is going to look like and where things align like where things are with Tenderfoot um and what I can do now to prepare for when we go like full throttle on Tenderfoot that's like the very basic update wait so are you saying uh, sort of uh, saying uh, bye bye to all the NFT stuff because I was about yep. to ask you this question. I remember last time your bio read uh, that NFT girl, and now it reads that creator girl, and it keeps on uh, dwindling. It keeps on switching. So I was about to ask you what happened to that phase. Yeah, I decided to quit all of NFTs, and it was a really really scary decision. Um, it was one similar to my decision to like quit Wall Street when I was in Wall Street, the idea of I like worked really hard to get there. I was like a relatively well-known figure in the space, like not huge, but a lot of people knew me. A lot of people loved my content. I was getting interviews and Business Insider and The Verge because like they'd only found me through my YouTube content and people loved my content. People were commenting and saying like, April, and you were the very first person I'd actually understand to talk about NFTs. People were like sharing my videos to private communities to learn about NFTs. Um, and I was like growing so much in the space. It was, and, and the money was also fantastic. The CPMs are like cost per mil, the cost per thousand views that you receive from advertisers on YouTube, super high in the NFT and crypto niche. So I was getting paid a ton of money from YouTube, ton of different sponsorship offers high status, people really knew me very well. Um, it was like very easy to differentiate yourself in a brand new niche. 
and the NFT niche is really like, very new. So it's very easy to, to differentiate myself there. But despite all of that, I decided to quit. So it was a very, it was a very difficult decision. It's very difficult to step away from all of that. I mean, it must be because uh, I remember we, so uh, since last time, I think we have had a lot of calls about this decision, right? That uh, I, I clearly remember this uh, part where we discussed, you know, when you were talking about if you wanted to lean fully into the NFT or maybe there was still time to go and do the generalized stuff. Uh, and at that time, you chose to take the decision to lean more into the NFT stuff. And then your YouTube shorts and videos started coming out. There was the, uh, uh, there was this thread. We sort of, uh, I remember I sort of, uh, I was like proofreading it. Uh, you know, the last time we were on the call, we, we started the call by proofreading yeah. your uh, Twitter thread. Uh, and then, uh, yeah. And now we are, you're talking about the thing where it's like, you're saying uh, bye-bye to it. And then, so Okay, this is very interesting because this brings me to uh, a very interesting part of uh, founders, uh, our lives. That is, uh, we have to prioritize a lot of things as we move ahead. And by prioritizing, uh, it means we have to make decisions and we have to make some calls, which uh, requires choosing something, but also leaving something behind. Uh, and I would love to you know, uh, know more about, and if you can tell me more about your approach to decision making because i know you have made a lot of choices in the last year uh, we have also discussed this as well so what have you learned or what are what is your approach to you know when there are situations arises when you have to make a decision uh, so how do you proceed in those cases gotcha okay so um i will say that my decision making has like changed a lot even from like six months ago to now I've optimized for different things in life. Um, previously, like I was always like optimizing for adventure. Like I always wanted to try new things and not really as concerned about money or status, but just wanted to have as many experiences as I, as I can. I was really like saying yes to so many things. Um, and now I guess like over time, I started to think a little bit more about how do I keep everything sustainable? How do I like make sure that I can continue paying my bills and traveling and doing the things that I want to do while like remaining um, and like enjoying my life, I guess. And I, I got a little bit to the point where I wasn't enjoying my life very much at all. I was like, I was trying new things and I was learning so much, which I thought like that was the point. But I realized, like take my NFT content, for example, I realized all of my time was spent researching and learning new things that I didn't care about whatsoever just for the sake of making content about it for other people and I definitely prioritize like creating value for people by like I, I want to help I want to like add value to the world but realizing that okay I'm creating more value but in doing so like it was just so draining for me and it got to the point where like, I couldn't, like I was on the couch, I was a potato. Like I could literally like, get up off of the couch. I just felt so drained every day from doing work. Um, and have you ever like heard of the, the parable with the, with the glass jar and the rocks and the pebbles in the sand? I yes. have not. Can you okay. elaborate on more? Yeah, yeah, okay. So 
um, there was this teacher and she had a glass jar and she was talking to her students and she filled the glass jar with a bunch of really big rocks. She, said, she, she, she showed this to them and she said, is this jar full? And all of the students said, yes. And then she comes in with pebbles and she fills, she pours the pebbles in the glass jar and it fills up all of the different cracks in between the large rocks. And she says to her students, okay, is this jar filled now? And all students say, yes. And she comes in, she pours sand over everything. The sand fills up all the little nooks and crannies behind the pebbles and the rocks. She shows that up and she says, okay, so is the jar full now? So yes. And then she pours it all out and she did everything the opposite way. And she poured in all of the sand first, but then she tried to pour in the pebbles. She tried to pour in the rocks, but there was no room for any of them. And in this parable, the rocks represent like the core things that are important in your life. This could be like your friends, this could be your family, this could be your mission, your drive, like what this be your physical health, your mental health. These are things that are really important. The pebbles represent things that are still important, but not as important. This could be like your job. This could be having like a really nice place to live. This could be other things like that. And the sand represents things that like really don't matter at all, but we think matter a lot. <laughs> things like follower count or the number of like likes and retweets that you have, or, you know, is your breakfast cooked the right way or not? Like very, like things like that. And the thing is, is that if you try to fill your jar by doing the sand first, doing all the things that you think matter, but really don't, there's no space for things that actually do matter in your life. And so I was thinking through like what my life looks like and what my jar looks like. I was realizing that for right now, what I was doing was I was filling my jar with mostly sand first. I was filling it thinking about what are like, what is my YouTube CPM? I was thinking, I was filling it thinking, what are the interviews that I'm getting? And I was like really filling my jar based off of things that actually don't matter as much. Um, how many views are my YouTube channel getting? Um, and then I didn't really have as much space where things actually matter. So when restructuring what is actually important in my life, what are my rocks and trying to identify what rocks exist in my life, and then rethinking my life in that direction of how do I prioritize my rocks? What do my pebbles look like? And then what does the sand look like in addition? And that's kind of my like new framework moving forward from this point on is really just focusing on the rocks, drawing everything back into the rocks and then filling the jar from there. It's actually a good example and uh, like a very uh, simple yet very insightful explanation of how it's all about how you look at things and how you interpret uh, different events and uh, different decisions that you have uh, taken in your life. Uh, and uh, it's a great uh, way to put uh, things that uh, make sense and things that don't make uh, sense, but you keep doing them and they occupy the time and your effort uh, in your life. And uh, I remember uh, doing this uh, uh, going all into NFT was one of your crucial phase, right? Because you were getting good response. Uh, you were getting a lot of signups, views. Some of your videos really blew up on YouTube as well. A um, lot of people uh, used to ask you and see you as an authority in the NFT space. And that's why you were doubling down on it. But uh, if we have to look at things uh, from that point of view to the current point of view, uh, what did you learn from becoming, uh, you know, the NFT girl? 
and doing something for the people because i remember this was the case uh, when you were thinking of okay how what should i do next for the people who like nft and maybe uh, i i you can obviously uh, correct me if i'm wrong but your point of view was to uh, do something for them because you know they are here for uh, the x reason and the x reason was nfts and that was the common thing and that sort of became the theme for your community on youtube uh, for example even though it was not under uh, the uh, name uh, or anything it was only your name but it was the sort of theme around your videos right the uh, nft part so what did it uh, you know teach you uh, and uh, how did that affected you then and what do you think uh, goes on from now how has it changed for you yeah um and i will say it's like even though my channel was just my my own name my channel banner did say like demystifying nfts crypto web3 like that was like on my it still is on my channel banner uh, and so like, I definitely did lean into that. And all of my content, as you said, was really like focused on who is watching this type of content and what more do they want and what can I provide them? Everything was based off of that, Ir irrespective of like my own joy or what brought me energy. I thought, hey, I like creating content and I like helping people and I like the validation that I received when I make a good video and people comment on the quality or comment on me and they like me and they like my videos, I liked all of that. And so at first it seemed to make sense. Like, okay, I can get the validation that I want. I can get the clout that I want. I can get the audience that I want. Um, all I have to do is just like make these videos for, this pe for these people. Um, but I realized that this is like a very draining activity for me. It took so much out of me to like research the most simple things related to NFTs. Like I was doing, I was, I was sitting down to start researching for a video about smart contracts. I have all the different tabs open to research about smart contracts. And I'm just like staring at the screen listlessly. Like, oh, am I really doing this? Do I really have to do this? It took me forever to write a single script because I script all my YouTube videos word for word. It took me forever to write a script because I just really didn't want to. Um, and I just realized that like, this is not sustainable. As much as I love the validation that I receive, um, and as much as I feel like in some ways I'm a great fit for the NFT niche, I really undervalued the importance of having some sort of passion, having some sort of personal interest in something. Um, and I realized it's like, you can believe that something has value without having passionate, like without having passion about it. That's how I felt about finance. I know that finance has value. Does this mean that I want to devote my life and all of my waking hours to working on Wall Street? I didn't. And I made that decision and realizing that again, it's like, okay, I have to make that decision again. I can believe in something and not spend all of my time doing it and realizing that I do have to prioritize myself and you do have to be selfish in some ways. I'm all about providing value to others. In some ways, I do have to be selfish. I want to live my life energized every day, wanting to wake up, wanting to get to work, wanting to learn more and not dread it. And I found like some of the things that I value and cherish most, things like learning, things like writing became activities that I absolutely dreaded doing because I didn't love the topic that I was doing them on. 
Um, and this was like a, like a nice wake up call for me because when I first quit my wall street job, I was like, Oh, I have no time to write. I have no time to really like learn the things that I want to learn. All I'm doing is just like in Excel. So I quit that and then got to a point where I could learn a ton every day, could write a ton every day, but then realizing again, it's not just about making the time to write and to learn. It's about making the time to write and learn about things that you want to write and learn about. It's kind of like, like my next stage of realizing like what are my rocks what are the things that i really care about in life what what are the things that bring me energy well what are the things that, like make me want to get up and want to do things and then how can i structure the rest of my life so that it fits along these certain parameters um, so that's kind of like where i'm going now and sure i mean uh, it's all about uh, at the end of the day it's not about just uh, you know how financially free it sets you up but also how it's not uh, it does not becomes a load mentally on yourself and you also have to be doing something that makes you mentally happy as well and something that makes you feel content as well that you feel that okay i did something and i'm proud of it and i enjoyed doing it uh, and it's not just uh, about how many views or how many uh, revenue am i going to get uh, if this is going to viral or not uh, so th this is great. Uh, and do you see this? Uh, so now, uh, as you mentioned that you are doing this pivot, this change of trans uh, this transition, uh, do you see this as a good transition or do you see this as a transition that taught you a lot of things? How do you perceive uh, this uh, change? You know, because I'm sure you must have seen this among founders as well, that they start something and they, they go full into it. And then eventually, you know, when they start losing interest or X, Y, Z reasons, they find it very hard to, you know, pivot themselves into a different niche because uh, they have had their authority in, say, uh, some uh, interest already uh, or some uh, area of expertise already. And that's why their audience is also of mostly that same interest. So now when they are changing, they fear that their audience, you know, might be scared and they might run away and they might not stay because that's not what they signed up for in the beginning. So how do you perceive this thing? Yeah, changing directions, changing niches is pretty much like every content creator's fear. It's the idea of, okay, like I've worked hard, I've built an audience for a specific niche. How in the world am I supposed to transition? And I mean, it was, it was one of the things that held me back for so long. I've been dealing with this transition for the last four months, like when the idea of the transition for four months and I like kept holding myself back. So I'm like, uh, and there's, there's some like sunk cost bias that goes in there too. It's like, I've worked so hard to get these people who view me as an authority, who trust me, who value me. Am I really just going to like turn them away? And I think, I think of a couple of things. One is... I trust in the YouTube algorithm and that if I produce good videos, that like YouTube will put it in front of the people who want it. And understanding that it's okay, like subscribers are fickle creatures. It's so easy for someone to press the subscribe button and it's so easy for people to press the unsubscribe button. And realizing that like I don't have to make myself a slave to these people on YouTube. And if I built an audience once, I can build it again, especially if I'm equipped with another type of content that I actually really care about. 
right now I'm torturing myself to make a video once per month versus if I'm like energized to make a good video once per week or maybe like once every two weeks, my content's going to be better. I'm going to be happier and people will pick up on that. And yes, I'm going to lose a lot of people who only care about NFTs, which honestly, that's fine. I'm realizing, again, like identifying what my rocks are and NFTs don't fall within that at all. It's been like the one sore thumb among the entire ecosystem of things that I'm doing that just doesn't fit with literally anything else that I'm doing. And it's it's like, it's particular just to YouTube too, because I still love my Twitter audience. And yeah, some of them are NFT related because they've come from YouTube. And my core audience on Twitter are still people who honestly don't give a shit about NFTs at all. And just realizing that like this doesn't align. And sometimes, you know, it's like, hey, sometimes you have to cut off an arm to save the person. And realizing like, okay, if I think of my entire business ecosystem as a person, NFTs are an arm. And yes, it's painful to cut off, but there's like so many new things that can come from that. And I can maybe like regrow another limb in another way. Um, and I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not nearly as worried as I was before. Realize like, yeah, I'm gonna lose a lot of subscribers, but if people only followed me for the NFT content and not because they like me, they're, they're not really providing my, me real value anyway. There's not any real value exchanges. I'm giving so much for them and they're not giving that much for me. Versus I start to build another, a different type of audience, one that aligns so well with everything else that I'm doing. Those are the people that I actually want. Those are the subscribers that I actually want. So it's, yeah, it's gonna suck for a while. It's gonna hurt for a while, but long-term it's the much better decision. Indeed, it, it's, it's actually a better decision for your mental peace as well, because eventually you want people who appreciate you. So yeah, uh, and yeah, we were talking about how indeed it's actually clear because at the end of the day, you want people who appreciate you for what you are and what you are actually and what you are actually doing as well right you don't want them uh, to you know you don't want to show off something in front of them uh, just because for the content or just to you know uh, keep your account active or something like that you should rather be showing them what you are actually doing in the real world or let's say in your journey as a content creator and then also telling them okay this is what i'm doing and then the people that appreciate that aspect of it are most probably going to be your true and loyal fans. That's how I uh, uh, see it. Uh, but yeah, it's great. So now uh, I see you have this uh, new project that's going on. It's also related to people, which is called Bird Birds. Um, so I would love to know how did you approach this uh, new idea? And especially if you can talk more about how you approach a new idea in general. So there must have been a phase where you were thinking about how should I get started with NFT? And then you started your journey uh, into it. So this is also a new phase, uh, you know, building this uh, new project. So how do you in general also, you know, approach a new idea? Yeah, also like a better probably example, like a better example for how I approach a new idea is deciding like my new direction for content. Um, Bird Buds as a whole is just like more like a side project, like a hobby for fun. Um, like I wanted, I, I'm working on it with Rox, um, my partner. Um, and like we, we both just like wanted something fun to work on on the side, like as a couple, because we could 
and we had like a zillion different startup ideas of things that like are like small project ideas that we could go with um, and I can like walk through kind of like what that process looked like but I think like the more interesting conversation which had to be had was deciding where do I want my new content to go so I definitely I want to stay on YouTube um, and I was deciding like okay I, I know how to YouTube I am good at YouTube but what the heck am I supposed to make videos on if I don't want to make videos about NFTs? Like, what do I even want to do? Um, and the process for that was something as follows. First, I thought about like, what, what do I, the, like a couple of different factors that went into it. One is again, like, what are like the rocks in my life? And one of them for me was like Tenderfoot. Um, and Tenderfoot's like my startup that connects students with internships with startups, with creators, with crypto projects, with nonprofits, with any other non-traditional type of opportunities. And Tenderfoot's been on like hibernation slash stealth mode for a bit and will continue to be that way for about a year. And Akash, my co-founder and I are gonna like work remotely on it through this year um, as we gear up to go back together in person about a year from now and we convene and hopefully raise funds and do all that fun stuff. And I have so much to learn before we start that. And I think what I wanna do right now is really get myself to the place where I'm in the best position to see Tenderfoot succeed a year from now. That was like one way of looking at it. It's like, what can I do now to make Tenderfoot as successful as it can be in the future? And one of like the huge competitive advantages that I have is like I can create content and I am good at it. And so thinking about, okay, well, who are the people that are useful to Tenderfoot? And for me, that answer was, okay, startup founders and entrepreneurial minded students, like students who want internships at startups and startups who want interns. And I was thinking, okay, that's kind of an audience that I want to target. What sort of content would work with that audience? And that was paired with, what am I exceptionally good at? Because one of the reasons why I did sell on the NFT niche is because I had a couple of skills that other people didn't quite have. I was able to, and this is like, not just me tuning my own horn, but these are things that like other people have said to me that have shown up in my comments a lot, that people have said to me to my face, that they really see in me, that they really appreciate. One of the things was taking a very complex topic maybe like a very technical topic even, and distilling it into something very simple and easy to digest. That was one thing that like really stood out with me versus a lot of the other people talking about NFTs or just throwing a bunch of lingo out there, people would actually understand me. Another thing was I'm female and being female in the NFT and crypto niche, not that common. Honestly, it's like a, it's a competitive advantage there. And it was so great to see other women approaching me like, hey, April Lynn, because of you, I now have the courage to enter the space that I didn't have before. And so I'm like, okay, is there like a way that I can like enter a space that's like is traditionally male dominated as well to maybe have some more female representation there? Um, I know that I'm great at research and I know that I'm great at writing. And I know that I'm fantastic at storytelling as well. Taking something that is like, again, kind of complex, kind of convoluted and turning it into a story that people understand that like pairing the education part with entertainment, I felt like I was good at. Um, and so all of those things, it's like, okay, like how can I combine all of these things into content that like targets the people that I want to be targeting? And so I just started like brainstorming also again, like based off of what I learned the whole NFT thing, and it has to be something that I would actually enjoy doing something that I could see myself doing for years and not get bored of. So 
from all that started brainstorming different ideas. And eventually from there, kind of going through with each idea, does it fit this check mark? Like, am I able to use this competitive advantage? Am I able to use this competitive advantage? Does it fit this audience? Does it fit that audience? And all of those questions. And through that, I was able to find a new direction. Right. So this was, the, it involved a lot of experiments and a lot of brainstorming and decision-making, which led to uh, that part of you leaning into it. And then uh, again, you reiterated the whole process. Uh, you reiterated all these steps. And then uh, it has brought you to this uh, part, right? When you are thinking, okay, what's going to be the next thing for me? Um, this is great. Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So because now you have leaned fully as a content creator in general, uh, how do you get the motivation to, you know, create content on a daily basis? And uh, let's talk about the, uh, let's talk about all the different aspects apart from making a living, because that's there. That's going to be the baseline, obviously, to, uh, you know, because you have to uh, live, because you have to survive and all that. But there should also be some kind of, uh, uh, you know, some uh, interesting or external motivation to create content? And how do you get the ideas? Because I see most of the people struggle and included myself as well. Uh, I see, you know, uh, myself stuck in finding what should I tweet about or what should I, uh, you know, uh, create content about? Because I have already say, talked about this part or talked about uh, this phenomenon or certain bias or some study already. Uh, and if I repeat it myself, it might sort of come as a spam or something. So how do you, uh, you know, what's, what's the process behind uh, or how do you get the motivation to stay consistent and uh, get new ideas uh, for creating content? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And I just want to preface this by saying that like, it's hard. And even I don't get around to like post like tweeting every day. Like even I skip some days and was like, oh shoot, I forgot to tweet today. Oh well. Um, so I, I just want to preface it by that. In general, I think it, I think the answer also depends on what stage you're in. Because I think my answer to this could be different if you asked me when I was at like my first two thousand followers on Twitter versus where I am now. Um, so I'll, I'll say that as well. Right now, for me, a lot of the motivation comes from the sake of keeping up momentum, just because previously I have found that momentum is really like what carries me into being able to create so much more. Um, just like working out, you know, if you work out every day, it's so much easier to work out another day. If you skip working out for a week, it's so hard to get back to the gym. And I have seen that in myself so many times. And so a lot of the motivation from tweeting literally now is because I don't want to lose that momentum because I know how hard it is to like start going again. And again, like for me right now in this particular moment, it's, I'm not looking to grow a ton yet. When I go through like my new direction for content, that's going to change. Um, but right now it's just like a matter of, okay, sustain momentum to get me to the part where I'm going to go ham with a new content strategy and that's going to be cross posted with YouTube videos and Twitter threads and newsletter issues and all of that. Um, the other thing too is that I also view it more as a business 
than what I did before. And that I know how important it is to show up every day. And I also know like the least amount of effort that I can put into it to sustain it. And something like repeating myself, I do that all the time. Like there are so many days where I'm like, I don't know what to tweet. And I just like go back a couple, like three to six months ago, even longer, pick out a tweet that I had tweeted before, literally word for word, copy and paste it and tweet that. People don't notice because most people don't see your tweet in the first place. So I think realizing that and realizing kind of like how Twitter works and why it works makes me like completely fine with like copy and pasting my, my own previous tweets there. So it's kind of like the, the two main motivators right now is like momentum to carry me through to when I have other drivers of being incentivized to tweet more and to create more content. And the second one is viewing it as a business, understanding how important showing up is to business um, and understanding what is like the least amount of work that I can do now so that I don't burn myself out. Right. And uh, the thing that you talked about, you know, going uh, through all your older tweets and then retweeting it, it's like one of those cheat codes of, uh, you know, one of the tricks you can use to uh, repost something again and people are mostly not going to notice or uh, dig your tweets and, you know, call you out and say, hey, you already talked about this. It, it just never happens. No, nobody picks up on it. Like literally no one realizes oh, you tweeted this before. They, they might think like, oh, this sounds familiar, right. but Twitter is already an echo chamber. They might assume they heard it from someone else. Like they have no idea, literally like, no idea. No one's going to like search like, hmm, I think she said this before. I may have heard it for this six months ago. And like, start, no, like, yeah, this never happens. Never, never gonna happen. Yeah, that's, uh, that's true. And yeah, it's actually... And I like how you are, how honest you are about this, because a lot of people think that people have all these strategies and, you know, content marketing uh, planners and schedulers behind all this stuff. And while they are actually sort of good uh, in sort of keeping the momentum, but it's good uh, to, you know, take breaks and show the irregularities because it, because it then reflects that you are at the end of the day human. You're not supposed to be uh, available every day and be, you know, having these thoughts of wisdom uh, that you will be sharing every day. Uh, and it's great to just, if there is, a, 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 there is an irregularity, maybe it's fine. Maybe you can take the day off and tweet someday else when you have the inspiration for it. Uh, yeah, so this, uh, this, is, uh, this is nice. Um, so, yeah, well, so because obviously content creation requires a lot of things and doing a lot many things having all these skills and all that uh, how do you detox yourself how do you take the mental breaks when you feel like oh this is too much i need to take a break i need to just close the uh, screen and all that and i just need to give myself a break how do you what's what are some of your maybe favorite activities or ways that you have found out to give yourself a break yeah, I absolutely love breaks. I'm just going to put that out there. Like, I love taking breaks. I feel like there's a stigma, like, like as a, as a society, it was like, oh, as a society, but like, as a society, we glorify hustle culture. We glorify hundred hour weeks. We glorify no sleep. We glorify skipping meals. It's like, what, what the hell are we prioritizing right now? Um, so like, I love breaks. I love just like 
taken time to literally do nothing. Um, Cause I've realized that if I create space, like literally empty space, nothing to do, maybe just like watching YouTube. If I create space, more creativity will fill the space. More things will fill the space to make me better longer term. And like I, and you, you mentioned systems before. And I'm like, I'm, ge I'm gearing up for like a huger content mill with my new content strategy and like cross-posting for everything. So I'm like getting ready for that. But one of the, like the reasons why I was able to have this idea in the first place in this breakthrough was from like taking an extended break and thinking about my life. Um, so things that I like to do for breaks. One, I try to make sure that I have like daily breaks. For instance, I realized that like so much of my time was taken up doing things that really weren't helping at all but I like felt like I was doing something productive. As an example, scrolling through Twitter. It's like, I'm able to like tell myself, oh yeah, I'm doing this to help me, right? I'm like, oh, I'm going through Twitter. I'm like engaging with people. I'm like, what I'm seeing, what's around. When in reality, I realized so much of my time every day was spent scrolling through Twitter. And most Twitter scroll times would end with me feeling worse than how I started. And most of the times I wasn't engaging with people. Most of the time I was just scrolling and that was it. So I decided to limit my Twitter usage. I only go on Twitter three times per day. That may seem like a lot of some people. For me, it's like a huge cutback. Like once in the morning when I first start, just to like see what's new, catch up with old no notifications once about like an hour after I tweet just to like reply to people and then once towards the end of the day just to catch up with things that happen the day and every one of those is very intentional when I'm on Twitter I don't have it open on one monitor do something else on the other when I'm on Twitter I just focus on Twitter and that is it um very intentional with that so that's like one thing it's like taking out a lot of freed up a lot of time in my day just literally controlling the time that I spend on Twitter or doing other things that again, feel productive. Like, okay, hey, I'm scrolling through different like tech news headlines or reading through tech news articles. I convinced myself, oh yeah, this is helping. This is productive. Is it actually? No, like it's really just like mostly just a waste of my time. Um, so really like cutting down on those activities. So one is like delete things, just like cut them out of your life. Um, and I also focus on like a few core activities that really like, keep me focused. Things like journaling every day is like a very core thing. I know it's something that personally helps me so much. I know different things work for different people. When I journal, when I make it like a daily journaling habit, it's easy for me to like habit stack lots of things on top of that. So that's kind of, kind of like my core habit. But if I'm doing that, I'm in a good place. And then try to like have a staff, like a seven minute long meditation every day to that, right? And just like time to just be present and think. And otherwise just literally just like time every day to not, not do anything. Other things that I've been doing are kind of like I've been traveling. And one thing that I realized is, hey, if I spend all of my time inside of this Airbnb doing work, what is the point of traveling to different countries in the first place? I'm spending all of my time inside. So I've, I've like made like a conscious decision to once per week, take the entire day off and just explore, just explore the new country, go somewhere else, see what's around, eat good food. And then an additional time per week, have a dinner out, like go to a, don't order and just like go to a restaurant 
order something, experience new food somewhere else. And a combination of all of those things have just like made my life in general just feel so much better. Right. Yeah, especially the art of doing nothing is the best part because just taking a break and doing nothing is, is sort of a good way to recharge. And this was actually very insightful because this was non startup oriented but more of a like how you take a look at things in and how different your perspective is around things how you take a look at uh, approaching new things especially about the pivot part because a lot of people are especially myself as well uh, get confused when it's time to you know think about if you should go ham into it or maybe take the pivot and not worry uh, enough about it so yeah thank you april this was actually a uh, very fun and insightful session do you have any closing thoughts um yeah i'll just say that like i i i don't regret my decision to lean into nfts i feel like i learned so much from that and i got a lot out of it what i do regret is letting it get so far in like again i've just been draining myself for months knowing in my gut this isn't right for me but not making the decision anyway. And I think like if, I guess like if anyone else is like knows, like if they're thinking about a tough decision and they feel in their gut, one way is the answer, but maybe logic is bringing them a different way. Just, just follow your gut. Like you, you know, most times, you know, you can put as much logic as you want out there, but if you feel one way is the correct decision, you keep putting it off it's just going to like get worse and worse and worse. You're going to feel worse and worse and worse about it to the point where you like reach your breaking point and become a couch potato because you can't get up. So it's like, it's okay. Tough decisions. Yes, they're hard, but you got it. Awesome. Great.